Good morning. My name is Omar Qureshi. Today is October 11th, 2017, and this is the first edition of our new monthly podcast, Politics Paraphrase. I'll cover the three biggest political news items that you need to know about, and I'll break down what happened, why it matters, and what's ahead. Our first story of the month concerns DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, an executive order signed by President Obama in 2012. The executive order was created to allow undocumented immigrants who entered the United States as minors to obtain protected status and not live under fear of deportation, while also granting work permits to these immigrants. To qualify for the program, applicants must meet a number of criteria, including arriving in the U.S. before they turn 16, completing high school, and not being a convicted felon. The 800,000 young adults or program recipients are often referred to as dreamers. Earlier in September, however, the Trump administration rescinded the policy and stated that the president would give Congress six months to find an alternative. In rescinding the policy, Trump argues that he is following his campaign pledge to be tough on illegal immigration. Trump is not the only one handicapping the policy, as in 2015, several state attorney generals successfully sued the Obama administration for implementing a similar program for older undocumented immigrants. Three major legislative alternatives for the policy have been proposed. The Bridge Act, which is a bill backed by conservative Republicans, which would extend DACA recipients' protections for three years. The Recognizing America's Children Act, a bill backed by moderate Republicans, which would expand the amount of people eligible for the program and eventually allow a path to citizenship for those who are signed up. And the DREAM Act a bill backed by Democrats which would extend these provisions to an even larger amount of undocumented immigrants than the Recognizing America's Children Act. While each of these bills has not yet passed and would be unlikely to garner the support needed to be signed into law, it is possible that a bipartisan measure implementing different parts of the different proposed bills could pass in the near future. Our next story concerns Puerto Rico, the United States territory which was devastated in September by Hurricane Maria. Maria is one of the three major hurricanes to affect the United States in the past months, following Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. While Texas and Florida, the two states primarily devastated by Hurricanes Harvey and Irma, are in the long road to recovery, Puerto Rico has suffered away from the spotlight. On September 20th, Maria made landfall. With winds of up to 155 miles per hour and over 30 inches of rain battering the island in one day, Puerto Rico is devastated. Most of the island has lost power, and the local government states that it could be between six to eight months until the electric grid has been restored. In addition to electricity, most of the island's infrastructure has been ravaged. Most cell phones and internet connections do not work, and many residents lack running water. For many on the island, much of their day is spent waiting in line trying to get critical rationed items like fuel and food, but supplies cannot meet demand. Due to the destruction, many cities and states are bracing for mass emigration from the island and are worried that displaced Puerto Ricans will temporarily put significant pressure on social services on the U.S. mainland. Much of the discussion regarding the island's recovery has been due to the perception that Puerto Rico has been ignored. In a 538 report, Drew Mill Meta highlights the vast differences of reporting between the recoveries of Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico from their respective natural disasters. 
In addition to reporting, much of the disparities focus upon the Trump administration's nonchalant approach to the disaster as compared to the two immediately preceding incidents. President Trump arrived on the island 13 days after Maria made landfall, but in the preceding days, he had insulted the mayor of San Juan and made questionable claims regarding the island's recovery. In the meantime, entrepreneurs like Elon Musk have vowed to help assist the island in its recovery, and Musk has proposed that his company, Tesla, would rebuild the island's power grid using solar power infrastructure. The island is sure to face many more setbacks on the path to recovery, but progress is slowly being made as residents try to return to normalcy. Our final story concerns the NFL protests, which are once again in the news due to President Trump calling on NFL owners to fire players who kneel during the national anthem. The protest started in 2016 when San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick kneeled during the anthem to protest social injustice within the United States. Critics of Kaepernick contend that his kneeling signals disrespect towards the United States flag and disrespect to those who serve our country. The protests have divided the league in the country and have generated heavily polarized opinions on free speech and political discourse. On September 23rd, while speaking at a rally for Alabama Senate candidate Luther Strange, Trump called on NFL owners to fire players who would not stand for the anthem. Trump used abrasive terms to describe the players, going so far as to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. He's fired. He's fired. Immediately following the comments, many members of the NFL, including players and owners, rallied together in order to condemn Trump's statements. The Sunday after the statement, players from all teams playing that day partook in the protest. Some players kneeled, locked arms with each other, or simply did not exit the locker room during the anthem to signal their distaste for Trump's comments and their unity with each other. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell recently sent out a letter to teams advocating for, but not ordering, players to stand for the anthem. This letter, in tandem with pressure from several owners, is causing many players to step back from the protests as they fear potential repercussions for their actions. In response to criticisms that he targeted African-American players over their protests, Trump stated that his criticisms have, quote, nothing to do with race or anything else, end quote, and that he merely advocated for players to respect the country that they reside in. The protests have spread to other facets of the sports world, including college and high school games. While tensions remain, the volume of protests has decreased as players believe that the meaning of the message may have diluted. That's it for this episode of Politics Paraphrase. Today, we took a look at protests in the NFL, the recovery efforts in Puerto Rico, and DACA legislation. Next time, we'll look at the many conflicts inside the Trump administration, the Catalonian independence crisis, and any developing stories. Once again, I'm Omar Qureshi. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time on Politics Paraphrase. <laughs>